0: Well, good morning, Calvary family. It's good to see you all here. You braved the cold front, our two-day cold front to be here. Uh, welcome to those of you online. If you couldn't make it but you're online, it's a great opportunity. We have to connect this way. I'm glad you're here that way and hope you're encouraged. I, I'm always encouraged with our worship team. Uh, they do such a great job, and I'm thankful for them. One of the things I love about them is they really um, they foreshadow what's in the sermon. So uh, I'll give you one guess what we're talking about today. Uh, We're talking about the Good Shepherd, right? Uh, We sang about that, uh, but in all our songs, I just love how it prepares us for the message. Um, Some of the songs even just preach the message themselves. So so I'm just gonna repeat some of what we've been singing uh, as we get into God's word for this morning. We're gonna see that today that in John chapter 10, at the height of Jesus' ministry, we're reaching that that conclusion of his time on earth, uh, which we'll celebrate and talk about more as, as we get closer to Easter. And at the height of Jesus' ministry, the Good Shepherd, as Jesus identifies himself in this chapter, he does two things. He confronts our greatest challenges, our greatest fears, and he offers us our greatest dreams. All right, so that's where we're going today. We're going to see how our Good Shepherd confronts our greatest challenges, and he offers us our greatest dreams. Um, Before we get there, let me ask you a question. Have you ever fallen for a fake You know, maybe a head fake in basketball. You know, you go up and you thought you're gonna block that shot. Like I always think I'm gonna block Eli's shot, and I never get there fast enough. But you know, you're falling for a fake, or you're falling for a fake scam, an email, or something. Um, When I was traveling overseas more as a missions pastor, it's interesting, it's amazing how many things you'll find out there in some of the tourist traps, right? Oh, this painting is an original Degas or whatever, and it's only $50. And you're thinking, hmm, how could that be? Or, you know, I I wasn't good at spotting fakes when it came to coins. I like ancient coins, but I'm not quite sure. How do you know what's real? How do you know what's not? What I was sure about is the guy trying to sell me a Rolex watch for $20, I thought, okay, I'm pretty sure that's not real. Uh, And even though it's only 20 bucks, I'm not gonna go for it. Uh, There could be a lot of fake things offered to you when you're traveling overseas, but you know, you don't have to travel overseas. There's a lot of fake things offered to you day in and day out. And yet... What we, we find when we travel, right? When we go places, is we like to find the authentic, right? We like to find the authentic place to stay that feels more like the local flavor or we like to find authentic neighborhoods, authentic shops. One of the authentic things that I started doing, I'm not even sure how it started, but whenever I'd go on mission trips overseas, I enjoyed at some point during a break in the day to go get a haircut at a local barbershop. And I thought, well, there's probably two reasons for that. One is because on the weeks leading up to the mission trip, I was always so busy, I didn't have time to go get a haircut. And by the time I'm traveling, I'm like, oh man, I really need a haircut. But the other reason I discovered uh, was that going into a local barbershop, you get pretty authentic, right? There's not usually a lot of tourists there and you get to the feel of where you are and, and, and what you're doing. I've had my haircut in Haiti. I've had my haircut in Morocco. I'm not sure where else. You're like, well, that's why you look that way. Okay. You know? <laughs> uh, but hey, it's fun for me because I enjoy that authentic experience. Experience of getting in with with the local culture, um, we like authentic so much that we're willing to put money on it. If you've heard of NFTs, big craze starting a couple years ago, non-fungible tokens, you can look that up and see what it means later on. But the basic idea is that people were paying millions of dollars for a video clip, or even a tweet, or a, a video, or an art, artistic design, as long as it was the original one. Now the funny thing is, people could see copies of it or download copies of it, but because of crypto technology or blockchain technology, you're able to know which one is the original one. And people are paying millions of dollars for this because we value what's authentic. We hunger for the authentic, but why do we so often settle for the fake, for the less than? This is the context that we enter here in John chapter 10. And let's look first at the first five verses at how Jesus speaks to to this issue. Uh, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Here we see in John 10 that, like I mentioned last week, the conflict with the Pharisees is hitting a boiling point. Jesus is being as plain and direct as he possibly can be. He's using these metaphors, these word pictures to help people understand his message. Uh, and here I'm, I'm so thankful because Jesus's message from 2000 years ago is recorded for us today. And we know what he has to say to us as the living God inviting us into relationship with him. And in this passage, Jesus uses the metaphor of himself as a shepherd. It was a great word picture for first century Palestine, but maybe for us, even though we just sang about it, maybe it's a hard thing to picture. Like, what does it really mean to have a shepherd? Uh, I thought about a few metaphors that might be comparable, even though I, don't, I didn't find one that really fits it. But, but think of a life coach or, or a loving parent or a mentor who truly comes alongside you and guides you to your success. Uh, a pastor could be perhaps a similar picture or a counselor. There's many different metaphors we could think of, but there's also the idea of protection that the shepherd brought. So maybe put all those together and you have in your mind what a shepherd was. Uh, and a few other definitions that we see here is Jesus is talking about that there's a sheep pen. And he's talking about God's house, God's family. And that there's a way in and there's a way out. He's talking about that gate that allows people to go in and out of this sheep pen and sheep. And sheep is us, right? In the story, the sheep he's talking about is us and you know, we could have, a lot of times we say, hey Jesus, could you have chosen a more intelligent animal? Maybe a better looking animal? You know, I, I wouldn't mind being a, a horse in the family of God, you know? But sheep, you know, honestly, they're not very smart. Uh, I saw a video clip this week of a, of a sheep that was a little bit overweight. Okay, it was a lot overweight. And, uh, and a, a shepherd had just struggled to get it out of about a four foot ditch, like a little canal, probably about this wide with water in the bottom. He had just struggled to lift out the sheep put it out, and as as the shepherd gets out, the sheep thinks, hey, I'm gonna jump this canal. And he tries to jump it, but because he's a little overweight, he doesn't make it, and he falls right back in. And the shepherd's like, oh. (laughs) Uh, And that's the picture of sheep, right? Jesus isn't trying to offend us, but he's trying to show us the kind of relationship of what we need and what he has to offer us. And obviously the shepherd is the one who guides you, who influences you the most in life. So like I said, what we're gonna find in this chapter is that Jesus is a good shepherd and he confronts our greatest challenges and offers us our greatest dreams. So four things we're gonna look at, let's start with the first one. Jesus confronts what is fake. Jesus confronts what is false. He says here in verse one, there are fake shepherds. There are false guides out there trying to lead you in a different way. He also calls them thieves and robbers. And they offer you fake relationship in verse five. It's interesting that he says that you can identify a true one versus a false one by their voice. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's that voice that you can tell the difference of. It's like, is it a stranger? Is it a thief? Is it a false guide? And, and that stranger or that false guide is like, a, um, the, you've seen the mythological idea of, of mermaids in the sea and how they call out and they sing out. And, and if sailors were to hear a mermaid's voice, they would get mesmerized and captivated and they would just walk out to their doom overboard into the sea. That's that myth, but it's a great picture of what Jesus is warning us here. There's our false shepherds that are luring you out to your doom. But by contrast in verses two through four, we see what a good shepherd is. A good shepherd has access through the main gate. That's how you know he's the real one. He has access through the main gate because he's the authentic shepherd, our true guide. Uh, In some ways, we can relate that to the fact that Jesus was the creator. He's the I am who was there at the beginning of creation. And that's why he has direct access to us in authentic relationship. That's what he offers. He offers authentic relationship because he says, I call each one by number, right? Is that what he said? I call each sheep by number? No, what did he say? I call each sheep by name. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That of the, what, 8 billion people in the world today, Jesus knows each and every one of us by our name. Uh, That's a great thing to know. We live in a world where algorithms may think they know you. You know what I'm talking about? Algorithms that follow your patterns, they follow your likes, they might even hear your voice of things you're talking about and suddenly what shows up on your screen, hey, it's an ad for new windows. I was, just think, I was just talking about how we need new windows. Anybody have that happen? Just me? Okay, no, I know it's happening. I, I know it's happening. You know, algorithms are designed to try to get information from you so that what you see on your social media feed is then things that you like or want to see. Algorithms, algorithms may think they know you, but they don't even come close to the way Jesus knows you. They don't even come close to the intimate Personal way, your Creator knows you and longs to have relationship with you. Uh, this is the kind of authentic shepherd that Jesus says He is. And a question we have to pause and ask ourselves is: Are you listening to any fake guides? Are you listening to any voices that that are guiding you but are away from the things that God wants you to live and lead out? Uh, one of the ways you'll know eventually that it's false is that they're going to lead you to questionable decisions, and eventually hard consequences. And our prayer is that you don't get to the hard consequences that you identify before you get to those consequences that you're following the wrong voice. But questionable decisions, you know, it could be things that your family, your loved ones, your parents, your church are saying, hey, wait, hey, are you sure? Are you sure this is the direction you should be taking? We need to listen to those voices because they're helping us to make sure we're not following the scams of the world. I know someone who has fallen for several online scams. And and one of the things I notice in that person's life is a pattern that they've neglected an opportunity for authentic relationships. They've neglected the church, they've neglected community, they've neglected family. And so what have they done? They've opened themselves up to a fantasy online world and they're falling for scams over and over and over again. It's so sad. And Jesus speaks to us. And a lot of our technology wasn't around 20 centuries ago, but Jesus is still telling us the same truth. Be careful. There are false guides, false shepherds out there. They are fake and they're gonna take you in the wrong direction. But the true shepherd, he's invested in you for what is best for you, for your growth, for your full potential in this life. Uh, Isn't that the kind of shepherd that you wanna know? And Jesus tells us, hey, you have the ability to discern the authentic voice of God. You have the ability to discern what is true from what is fake. But just like any ability, we've got to practice it, right? You, you don't just wake up with it one day and say, oh yeah, this is God's voice and this is every other, everybody else's voice. You've got to practice it and develop it. Learn to hear the authentic voice of God who will lead you lovingly. How do you know that? All right, so I can just tell you my experience. My experience was, especially as I, I entered my college years and I really wanted to follow God, I wanted God's will for my life. I was open to different directions, whatever it would be, as long as it was God's will. And and I just began to try to practice. I was, I was, I'd be like, Lord... Um, you know, what do I want to eat today? <laughs> you know, show me a direction of what, what do I want to go have for lunch today. I was just trying to practice to see how God might lead me. Now, that may be like a simple thing, you know, and, and something that has nothing to do with anything spiritual. But the idea was I was trying to position myself to say, Lord, teach me how to hear your voice. And of course, with more and more important decisions, I would try to follow that and say, Lord, is this my idea? Or is it your voice, your direction? Have you ever had that where you're questioning like, okay, I have this idea, but I'm not sure. Is it mine or is it God's? And you gotta test it out. And I think one of the ways you test it out is you walk it out. You take one step of faith. Say, Lord, I think you're telling me to do this. Let me take a step in that direction. You know, and God is a good shepherd. He's not gonna let you have that first step be this one. And you're like, whoops, (laughs) wrong step. You know, God is a good God. And and that's how he did with me. He allowed me to learn to discern his voice by taking steps and finding out, okay, is this the right way? Uh, Is this the right way? And the door keeps opening or it closes. But some ways that you can all know, is this God's voice or not, is three things. You can confirm it with scripture, right? Does it line up with the truth of scripture? If it's something that goes against the truth of scripture, then it's not God's voice, right? Does it confirm with scripture? Is it consistent with the character of God? As you know the character of God, who he is, who he's revealing himself to me, is this consistent with the character of God? And third, and I think very important that we often neglect, is the counsel of other believers. right? Other mature believers who know you, who can say, yeah, we really see this. We can affirm this direction that God is taking you in. Uh, Go for it. Um, However it is, I, I just wanna encourage you, practice hearing the voice of God and discerning and saying, Lord, I think you're telling me to do this and I'm gonna take a step. Of faith in that direction, because he will also open and close doors uh, to lead you in those ways. But because Jesus says very plainly, my sheep hear my voice and they know it. And I just want us to, to stop and think about that and say, do you feel like you know the voice of your shepherd? Uh, and honestly, sometimes we, d- we may not be hearing the voice of the shepherd because it gets drowned out by all the other voices that we allow into our lives. Sometimes the best way to learn to hear God's voice is just to pause and close off everything else, put your phone down and just say, Lord, I just wanna be in your presence, speak to me. As we do this, we will begin to recognize the authentic shepherd as opposed to all the false guides that are out there. Jesus promises us that we can do that. A second thing that Jesus confronts and then offers is in John chapter 10, verses eight through 10. Just reading a few verses down, Jesus confronts destruction and offers abundance. It says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full thieves and robbers are real, not only in real life in the physical world, but you have an enemy of your soul. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. (laughs) I hate to be the one to remind you, but hey, wake up. You have an enemy of your soul because he's an enemy of God and he wants to tear away what's dearest to God. And what's dearest to God is people. And so you have an active enemy that I have an active enemy, not just you, sorry, point one finger and you have three pointing back, right? Uh, we all have an active enemy of our soul and we have to be aware of that. Jesus says here, you've got an enemy who's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Stop and think about that for a minute. What, what innocence has been stolen from you? What joy has been taken? What faith maybe has been diminished in your life because you've been blinded from seeing God's point of view? I'm telling you, the internet can convince you of anything. If you want to, you can go online right now and for the next several hours, the internet can convince you that there's no God, that there's no creation, that there's no resurrection. Now it's not gonna give you fulfilling answers for everything else, but there's all these facts out there of all these experts. And you know, at the end of the day, you've gotta decide, who am I listening to? And are they trying to steal or kill or destroy? Or is it backed up from what I know is the true authentic voice of God? Have you had dreams or hopes just killed? Uh, have you had loved ones taken away from you far too soon? Perhaps you had relationships that have been destroyed, unity that has been ruptured, maybe good plans or good intentions for your life that just have been completely derailed. The enemy is actively working to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a real enemy of our souls. But Jesus says, but hey, but, is, but I am the good shepherd. I will confront that destruction and I will offer you abundance of life. Jesus offers us fullness of life in verse 10. Now let's be clear. He's not saying I'm offering you smooth sailing, right? I'm not offering you immunity from the problems and challenges in this world. Jesus said in this world, you're gonna have many troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus offers us his difference-making ability in everything. He gives us more grace when we need that. He gives us more power in our inner being when we need that. He gives us the ability to love when we feel like we're at the point where we can't love anymore. Uh, Jesus gives us better perspective through his wisdom and understanding. He gives us more hope. He gives us more victory through struggles. You see what I'm saying here? Jesus' offer of life abundant is not saying, hey, you're not gonna have any troubles, but he's saying on the contrary, you're gonna face trouble just like everybody else but we're gonna do together what you couldn't do alone. I'm gonna strengthen you, I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna help you in incredible ways. Jesus makes a difference and he offers us abundance of life whereas the enemy only offers us destruction. A third thing we see here is in verse 16. In John ten sixteen, we see that Jesus confronts division and he offers us unity. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now it's interesting how Jesus puts this little passage in there. He's talking about the sheep and the pen. Excuse me. And then he's talking about, about who the good shepherd is and the false guides and be careful with all that. And then he sneaks us in there and he says, you know, I have other sheep that aren't here. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And I love here that Jesus points out to the fact that especially the first century Jewish Christians who thought that the Messiah was coming for them. And they thought they were gonna rule the world with Messiah, with the Savior. Even though all throughout the Old Testament, God had been telling them over and over again, hey, my plan of salvation, my plan of redemption is for all the nations. I'm just working through you to make it happen. Somehow the Jews, you know, the early Christian Jews also missed that that message and they thought that they were the primary recipients of God's grace. And into that, Jesus says, No, I'm going to make one family out of all the peoples of the earth, out of Jew and Gentile alike. So call them outsiders, call them the other side, whatever it is, we see this happening all over the world. There's division, there's ethnic conflict. There's racism everywhere. There's genocide. The world is divided in every possible way you can think of, isn't it? Politically, socially, culturally, you you can think of every possible way the world is divided. And yet the world, the human race, craves unity at our core. We all want to find that place of unity as human beings. It's interesting how the Bible is the only religious book that really tells the story of the splintering of humanity. From Genesis 3 through 11, where sin comes into the world and where the separation begins to happen between humanity and God. And then the Tower of Babel happens where the nations of the peoples of the earth are trying to build a way back to God and then the languages are dispersed across the world. And then in Genesis 11, we see what's called the Table of Nations. And it's interesting. God is saying, okay, now we have these splintered groups. We have this fractured humanity in these nations. And right at the end of Genesis 11, you see the beginning of the story of redemption through Abraham, that all peoples of the earth would one day be blessed through him. And that would be Jesus, his descendant. But what's a beautiful picture here is that God is saying, yes, the peoples of the world are fractured and splintered, but one day there's gonna be a savior who brings them back together again. And when you look at Revelation, the end times, we see that every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be in the family of God one day people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. A beautiful picture. The world longs for unity. The the world longs for getting along and finding common ground. And yet all we find is division because we're not looking for unity in the one place it could be found. And that's in Jesus. It's in his sheep pen that true unity can be found. He offers what the world craves, but it can only be found on his terms. He says, you have to come into the sheep pen that I have, the family of God. Now, some of you might say, well, that's so exclusive of Jesus, right? Why is he saying it's only my way that you can come in? You know, it's kind of like saying uh, I'm stuck on the rooftop of my house and there's a raging flood and I have about 30 minutes before the water comes up and takes me and a boat comes along. And the boat says, hey, get in, I can save you. We can take you to a safe place. And I say, how exclusive of you to think you're the only way for me to be saved. No, thank you. That that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And yet Jesus has proven through his life, through his teaching, through his resurrection, that he's the only way. Call it exclusive if you want, but it's the way. It's the way to enter this unity that God offers us and that nobody else can offer uh, we saw it when we were overseas in the country of Georgia, Tbilisi. We pastored a little international church of about 150 people. We had about 25 or 30 different nationalities. And boy, you talk about trying to figure out, okay, how do we do worship? How do we do church? You know, we have so many, not only different nationalities with different traditions, but we have different denominations. And what, what could have easily been a headache turned out to be actually a great joy because we discovered the, the commonality of what brings us together people from Asia, from Europe, from Latin America, from the US, coming together as one family. Uh, One of my most beautiful pictures I've ever seen is if you know anything about geopolitics, India and Pakistan are fierce rivals, nuclear threats to one another. And we had a lot of Indian medical students in our church and they were graduating, so we brought them up here, a group of 12 medical students graduating, we wanted to commission them. We had an intern in the church, who was practicing developing his skills to be a pastor, we had him come forward to pray. He was a Pakistani and a Pakistani brother prayed for his Indian brothers and sisters and blessed them in the name of Jesus. You don't see that anywhere in the world because it can't happen. It's unity that can only happen in the sheep pen of Jesus. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians 2, 14, 15 says the same thing in a different way. It says, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace who has made the two groups one. He's talking about Jew and Gentile here, but picture any groups that are divided. He's made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Uh, Jesus offers us the unity that this world craves in the face of division everywhere. Jesus says, we can find unity, but, but it's gotta be on his terms. It's in his sheep pen, and you have to come in. And the fourth thing we see here, to conclude, uh, we see Jesus confronts probably our greatest fear and our greatest challenge. I, know it's, I think it's my greatest fear, uh, the fear of death. And he confronts that, and he offers us life everlasting. We're gonna look at a few verses here. John 10, 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay, hang on to that thought. And now verse 17 to 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. Catch that. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Now, before we read the last part, notice what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, he's foreshadowing the cross. He's foreshadowing his death, but he's saying something incredibly remarkable. You know, he's saying something that should really stun us to where we're saying, okay, either this guy, like C.S. Lewis said, he's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he's the Lord of all, right? Because only a crazy person would say, hey, I can die anytime I want and I can come back to life anytime I want. That's essentially what he's saying, right? Uh, Or or a liar would say that, but then if he doesn't prove it, you know he's a liar. But we see that Jesus actually dies for us and rises again from the grave. So if he's neither a liar or a lunatic, then he's the Lord of all. He's the true God come into the world to restore relationship with humanity. He is the good shepherd because he can put down his life and he can take it up again. And why does that matter to us? Because look at verses 28 to 30. This is the last part of what we'll see here today. Jesus says, I give them, the sheep, eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. What a powerful, powerful promise here. Death might be our greatest fear, it might be our ultimate enemy, but Jesus offers us his superpower to lay down his life and take it up again. And only Jesus loves us to the point that he was willing to sacrifice himself to lay down his life. And yet he rose again, proving that he can do the same for us. They shall never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. What a beautiful truth. I hope here you've seen and been encouraged by Jesus, our good shepherd, how he confronts the things that are fake in this world. And I pray he'll give us discernment to understand what that is, to see through what is false and fake. And instead he offers us the authentic, his voice to lead us and to guide us. He confronts destruction, which is real, but he offers us abundance, abundance of grace, abundance of hope, abundance of ability, to make the most of life. He confronts division and he offers unity that can't be found anywhere else. He confronts death and he offers us life everlasting. Which of these four challenges do you need Jesus to confront in your life today? Is there some falsehood in your life? Is there some destruction, some division, some fear of death in your life? Ask Jesus to confront that. Or which of these four promises do you need Jesus to offer you today. His authenticity, his voice, his unity, his abundance, his life everlasting. They're yours for the choosing. They're yours for the taking because our good shepherd offers them to us. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes and just consider that thought. Any of these four challenges that we've mentioned today that Jesus confronts in this passage, do you need him to confront them in your life today? If so, just say, Lord Jesus, you see that I am battling this. You see that I'm afraid of that. You see that I'm confused by this. You see that I need your help in that. Whatever it is there, just fill in the blank. And say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you have told us who you are. You are the good shepherd who confronts these challenges in our lives. And you don't leave us alone to face them on our own, but you give us your power, your love, your grace, your presence. And you confront these things and you offer us beautiful alternatives. Lord, help me to receive your offer today. Help me to walk in victory against this trial today. And may you get the glory, God. May people see that you are the good shepherd indeed by what you're gonna do in my life. Which of these four promises do you need to cling to from Jesus today? They're yours for the taking. Father, we thank you. We pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and our spirits. You are the good shepherd. You lead each one of us individually. You call us each by name. Help us right now to hear your voice and to respond with obedience. If anybody would like to come to the front and pray during this response song, it's a great way to just separate yourself from the noise, separate yourself from distractions and say, Lord, I wanna wanna hear your voice. You're welcome to come forward during this response song. We're right there where you are. Just pray and ask Jesus to speak to you.